My name is Point Blank Evumbi and welcome to PBE Daily Early Mornings and Late Night Podcast. I'm using different variations of ways to introduce this thing because I wanted it to be more sporadic. The inspiration I normally use, I've said it time and time again, is my, uh, a great gentleman and podcaster by the name of Bill Burr. He's like my Mount Rushmore, one of my main creators of podcasts who I look up to. Him and because of my upbringing in hip-hop, I'd have to say Joe Budden. I love what he does, but there's sometimes when I look at stuff he does and I'm like, no, I'd never do that. But it's really, really cool to actually be able to even connect with this kind of music and everything and entertainment that comes up with it. In some podcast episodes, I was hoping to actually not even have background music playing, but I think I'm going to save that and reserve that for something else I'm creating. I'm cooking up something else. The moment I hit my 100th episode, I felt I was uh, now in a position to transition into even making more content that's actually more type uh, topic based and thematically put together in order for seasons to, to exist so that's my next lesson in this broadcasting uh, angle i'm taking for myself i chose to take a break from the drawing i was doing at the moment because yes my painting group is, is actually back and to be able to even start painting a horse again it, it made me very very happy so i'm certain that by the time i finish whatever this one hour's two-hour period I'm, I'm left with before I make it to bed and to work tomorrow, I'll, I'll have moved a significant enough distance into that which needs to be created. I want to talk, so let, let me plug this in the very beginning also. It is the 30th of January, so on the 31st of January, there's an event I'm going to be a part of called Playback, and Playback is an event where we have all-star DJs, which are actually two specific DJs. They're the, like the kings of New Jack Swing and old-school music. And that's for the Kenyans out there across the globe, DJ Pina and DJ Nijo. I'm one of the few people that actually allow to get close enough to them to actually have a chance to connect with that generation of DJs and actually host an event with them. And it's a big deal for me when I get the chance to actually speak to these people and hang out with these people. And even in a, in a meeting I had this week with some of the guys involved in Boombox, which is an event that happens every month on on a Friday basis, every Friday of the month at Alchemist Bar in Nairobi. I heard that Alchemist Bar is actually highlighted in CNN when on destinations which you should check out when you're, when you're in, in, in East Africa. And being told that actually kind of psyched me up because now the, the angle I'm, I'm sure us as a team is involved with is to try build up to actually getting the gig to have being mentioned on that actual platform as the biggest gig ever. Shout out to DJ Case and everything he has been curating in this entire period and I'm glad I got to be a part of it and to get to draw the posters. If you've ever been curious, Point Blank Ivumbi draws the posters for Boombox and I enjoy making that come together. Shout out to Mutende Wright for actually giving me the chance to be... He's very, very patient with me. Mutende Wright is the author of Shadow Walkers. He's also the guy who manages the world's loudest library at the Alchemist Bar. For those comic book fans out there, if you're looking for space, you could find local literature, local comic books, and international literature from the past couple of years. They have a great curated list and great curated... Um, Book, lay, book layouts of like binded uh, copies of paperbacks of comics from like the early 2000s all the way up to the 2010s. I literally found uh, they have uh, what's that? There's one storyline that I really, really loved. It was House of M, where you actually have followed the House of Magnus or the House of Magneto. If you get the chance and you're willing to actually go purchase that book, just visit that place. The, the price tags are very, very friendly. You should, you'll probably be able to find what you're looking for at a very, very affordable rate. I, I bought myself Christmas presents of books that I, I loved when I was there, and I'm yet to even open the package that has, has them in there. So 
my fault. I'm sure I'm going to find a time when I can actually sit down and, and enjoy them the best way I can. February is loading up, so I want to get this out the way. The reason I chose to take a break and actually record this episode is because one of the Joe Budden podcast episodes I'm watching right now kind of coincides with the conversation I was having with one of the gentlemen who was at the meeting this week. And that was a man who I've always considered a big brother and uh, a mentor figure in the sense of I, I watch him rise and fall, I watch him rise and fall, but I've seen him do more rising than falling. And that's a gentleman I know, I know as Buddha Blaze or Moses Mbasu to the professional world. He has been like a big brother figure for me in a great way. And I think I'm going to dedicate this episode to him and heck, know that this is the moment I'm actually deciding on what I'm going to do as the visual for the podcast. So this is going to go out to him. When I first got into the whole idea of trying to be around the art forms I enjoy and the, the greatness I hope to achieve in this business and in this genre that is pop art and hip-hop music and everything that's, that, that comes with that, I needed to find a place that I belonged. And one of the people I met at that period was Buddha Blaze. And Buddha Blaze was... Initially, a face I used to see around when he used to work hand-in-hand uh, hand with the gentleman of Fat Magazine. And I used to see him walk around with magazines of, like, Lucky Doobie on the cover. I think he, uh, he he helped put together one of the Lucky Doobie concerts in Nairobi. He, he's, he's been running and doing events for a long time. And one time he told me the reason he transitioned from trying to be a person in front of the mic to being the guy behind the mic is because he realized his business savvy was more fulfilling than him trying to be the face of a product and that's one lesson I learned from him from the jump he knew it was important for you to have structures in place or individuals in place to make it possible for events to happen artists and DJs who are listening to this or even people who you know artists and you know DJs know this it's one thing to be the art, the act of a show. It's completely another to be the person who makes the, the show happen. And he chose to be in the managerial space to make sure artists are well taken care of. And when he moved into that position, I met him when he was making his transition into also passing the literature about the artists and properly, in a journalistic way, speaking on the sense of what the artist is and what the artist stands for without plagiarizing what the artist does and without underselling the actual strengths that the artist has. So that's the second lesson I learned from the man. I learned that you have to, from a very proper place, boardroom talk what is the game about. You need to be able to have a smooth enough movement between the act on stage and the way you interact with the people who are probably going to foot the bill for whichever show you're going to do next. And when I saw him do that, it was really, really a big deal. And in all these years, I've gotten to know him. It's gotten greater and greater at how he actually pulls that off. He was involved in one of the seasons of Cook Studio. I think it was one or two seasons, if I'm not mistaken. And even in that, he did a great thing. But let me, let's go. We're still going from the point I first met him and how he moved from those years. Because I've known this gentleman since 2005. That counts 15 years of us working professionally together in one form or another. So now, back to the lessons I was learning. He introduced me to the potential of actually traveling across the globe with my craft. There are people and there are spaces that will actually welcome you to actually go and represent the craft that you have. And the one thing I've never really done with him was travel for the, for the craft because I've always been with things happening. And I love the fact that he respects that I have that element to myself. I, I'm never at standstill. 
it's another thing I learned from him just from missing out on things I was supposed to do with him or I would have potentially done with him. If you're a performing act, if you're a person who runs events, if you're a person who actually does gigs and everything, and there's periods when you know the money doesn't really get big, you have got to find a way to still sustain yourself as far as livelihood is concerned. I'll tell you this, what I've learned from my artwork, and I'm not scared of sharing this information because it's not scary to get more people to think the way I think. The more of us who think this way, the more the quality standards of how the game is played will become in the future. And no, I'm not talking about unionizing. I'm just talking about you being professional on your end and I'll be professional on my end. And by the time we both get into boardrooms and whichever person among us gets a deal, we still have other things happening. So for entertainment in particular, the peak of when agencies and companies that actually want to get activations taking place, the budgets really kick off from around late April and early May. If you ever asked yourself how come towards the end of the year or in the middle of the year is when you start seeing a barrage of ads and things popping up, that is one of the reasons why. Agencies are tied to certain templates that are created, which is how marketing is being created. Some of the ads you see in the beginning parts of the year are normally short and created in the in the year before, and it begins around April, May, and June. If you're in a position where you could actually find how you could plug yourself to these things in the beginning of the year, you could potentially get the chance to work with these different countless agencies in the country in certain pockets but i will say this because so many guys have been bought out and been put under one umbrella it probably would be to your advantage if you find a niche that is not being properly served and be the only person who could actually fulfill that niche it's niche sorry that niche it's the it's what i've seen happening and Believe it or not, I learned that from Donald Trump. This is when you're still a so-called businessman. Find a need, fulfill that need. And if Donald Trump is too much of a pill for you to swallow, it was also said by Richard Branson. These two individuals have said the same thing, so it means it's a principle that has existed forever. Now, back to Brother Blaze. When Blaze would um, school me on how I would potentially get into boardrooms and get things popping. He always told me you have to have your paperwork in place in order for no matter what, you are ready for anything. Earlier in the, in the year in this podcast, I told you about how I had to replace my, my, my passport. And it's because there's certain ideas he's always mentioned that he'd like to do, but he never used, seemed to have people in place to get them done. Now, I'm not saying I'm the perfect person for him to take to these places, but I would like to be amongst the top three he may call. Maybe that's another thing you could consider. Maybe that's the other lesson you should get. There are people who you know have access to such great things that need to be created. And you know that they know this thing. And they know that which they love. And you feel you would be a great asset to that person and be amongst the people who call, who they call to get that thing popping. Here's the thing. I don't know if I've ever said it before on this podcast, but so let me say it now. And I mean it in no bad way, shape or form. I never like pitching. I don't like pitching outside of the product is ready and I'm standing in front of a potential customer. That's the closest thing to liking of pitching I do. Outside of that, I never like pitching. Like going into a boardroom and trying to convince somebody to actually mess with what I'm creating, I've never been a fan of that. Rejection is a painful pill for me to swallow and I hate being rejected. Hear me, I hate it so much so that I always try to make myself have my own personal ecosystem. 
of what I need for myself. It's been very apparent to a lot of people who are close to me and a lot of friends that I have that I would much rather hit the office, walk back home, have my dinner, sit in that house and work. And over the weekend, if I'm not rocking an event, walk into that house on Friday, do whatever I need to do as far as research or illustration, finish that job, then leave on Monday morning. Other than that, I'd be comfortable staying in the ecosystem of myself. And it's because when you have such passionate ideas and have passionate goals, it sometimes is to your advantage if there's no distraction from it. As we speak, my phone is, is the Wi-Fi is off because I'll probably pop back in and out when I get back to the drawing part because sometimes I'll make close to 13 to 20 strokes and then after I do those strokes, I want to take time to look at the drawing. I'll probably go online at that moment, but the stuff that plays in the background sometimes takes care of that. So always be ready to be the first call a person makes in, in regards to work. So since I don't pitch, I make myself have products at all times. I can tell you I already know what my next seven months look like as far as my work schedule in regards to my art alone and events as well. Thanks to Boombox, I can say I know what my year looks like as far as that one stage, which is The Alchemist. It's become a perfect staple for me to actually get my breath control in order and how to get that happening. Another person I'm trying to work with in the coming months is a gentleman known as DJ Middle East. There's an idea he has for the 8th of February. It has not really taken into fruition yet, but hopefully by the time next week hits, I will have a visual that actually best explains this and I'll even plug it as much as possible here. So be in a position for the person who inspires you to need you to execute something and also be ready to execute it perfectly. And that's that's that actually leads me, I'm actually saying it before I actually describe it. There were countless times hanging around Buddha Blaze where I'd notice a person would be given the work to do. And this person who's been given the work to do, for lack of a better phrase, shits the bed. From Jump Street, he, he or she would not be at the place they're supposed to be on time. He would not send their paperwork and... Um, what their requirements are, or like, like like their rider, for example, they wouldn't send them any of that on time. They would be disrespectful to the audience they're trying to entertain. They would not act professional in any way, shape, or form, and still demand that they found a way to get money out of it. And sometimes when you make a terrible show, it becomes even more difficult for the client to actually pay you for what you've created. So you have got to make sure you see the other end, see your end fulfilled so that the other end doesn't have a hard time paying you whenever i've rocked an event and i've done an awesome job i got paid way way earlier and whenever i was afraid i was about to mess up a job or i could see the potential of that job being too close to another and i would mess up both events i try cancel one of the events sometimes it's not about the money it's just about the quality you have to put forward and that would probably lead you to being top of the list for most people to work with and then outside of that I'll say this, like after we left the meeting that we, we had this week and we're moving through traffic, sunny, sunny day, just sitting through traffic and, 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 and watching how things are going. He said something and it resonated with me because I've heard it time and again. And it's what I consider the next lesson I learned from him. And it's probably going to be the last lesson I talk about because I'm almost running out of time for the, the length of the podcast. But do not bear resentment 
to what the industry that you're playing in looks like and start creating these boogeymen of how bad the game is. You've got to stop doing that to yourself because it not only does it look bad, but it also doesn't translate well to that which you're trying to achieve. Put it to you this way. I have been in entertainment professionally for 15 years. In this 15 years I've been in this professional business, this gentleman I've dedicated this episode to was there every step of the way. Even when he wasn't even involved as far as actually getting me to have the event, even by just being the guy who says, okay, try your best to do this, do that, and maybe pay attention to this, this, and that. Even with that kind of pseudo advice, he has been a friend and a big brother to me this entire time. He, he has seen me through some of the darkest periods. It, we have gone through some of the darkest turns as far as what we're trying to achieve and we've always found a way to persevere and move through and even be successful in that which you're trying to achieve because it's of great importance to realize that not all the days are the same the only way days become the same is because either you've chosen for them to be that way or you're carrying the same burden from the last day and didn't learn anything from it we battled it out in every way shape or form to try to get the industry to go to another level but with the excesses of people trying to undercut each other and people trying to shun each other out there it really is it really is one of the saddest things we got to see but the thing is we we both understand that things have to be built from scratch and they take time so it's why i'm grateful that we still have the existence we have with each other and we keep on building as best as we can now i will add this as a caveat towards the end and it's in the sense of after all is said and done you're only as good as your last gig so constantly make yourself become better in the next one i take the lessons i learned from sitting around with this guy in entertainment and carry those lessons into taking them into other spaces this is the kind of person who you'd go for an audition and he'd tell you like yeah i don't think it's going to work out for you if you're actually going to be perceived in this way because you may not look the part they're trying to get you to be in so he'll give it to you aggressive harsh from the jump he doesn't sugarcoat it and the thing i love about it is the fact that he doesn't sugarcoat it actually betters me in the next phase so here's another thing i'll actually add as the next topic i was i wasn't i was also, I wasn't hoping for it to be the next uh rule or, or clue you should look for if a person is being harshly critical of what you're creating and doesn't provide solutions that's the negative person to be around however if you have a person who's actually providing solutions that seem to have a beneficial angle towards the end maybe listen to that person you will meet people in your progression of career and your progression of self that you will meet people who will constantly pat you in the back and tell you the greatest in the world what you do need however is a person who yes will see you through those periods but will take the time to also be harsh with you when he sees you messing up or she sees you messing up. A harsh critic who gives you the perfect move forward is, is, is a person who's given you the zeitgeist and the way you could get to your utopia. I value this man for what he's done for me as far as being in both phases. Because with, with the kind of achievements I'm trying to make in my life, not many people, even in family, can get where I come from. So I don't use family to tell me how my career should go. But I do use them as a, as a bouncing board for love, faith, and even the potential of maybe you should try this, maybe you should try that. Some of the greatest ideas I've gotten to how I could push myself further, I have gotten from family. But I don't put the weight on family on how I should move in my career because it's, it's the career I choose. They are there to make sure that I'm strong enough to continue in that career. 
But when I have individuals like Buddha Blaze, they become even more valued big brother figures to push me further in that which I try to achieve. And probably one of the reasons why I naturally on my own got to this phrase that I like saying at the end of every episode. Be Caesar or be nothing at all. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to this episode. I know you weren't expecting me to go from talking about how I took a pause from drawing to actually talking about a guy who I look at as a big brother figure, but I felt it was right for me to give him his roses while he's still here. And I felt it was right that I actually address my fellow creators and artists out there to see if they could see things into my perspective a little bit. Until next time, good people. Uno. <laughs>